Hello, this is Outside In, a show about the natural world and how we use it. I am Sam Evans-Brown, and today on the show, we're going to engage in something that we rarely get the chance to, pop culture commentary. So should we just start with the Netflix series Tiger King, and (laughs) should people watch it or not? (laughs) Well, I guess uh, that's a personal decision that everybody should make for themselves. This is Rachel Neuer. I'm a freelance journalist and author of the book Poached Inside the Dark World of Wildlife Trafficking. If you have not heard, Tiger King is a Netflix series, a reality TV show about one of the nation's most infamous tiger breeders, a man who is now in prison in part for conspiring to kill a woman named Carol Baskin, who runs a sanctuary for tigers that people bought as pets when they were cute, tiny cubs, and gave them away when they realized they had purchased a tiger. It kind of seems like everybody stuck at home right now has watched this show. And yes, it is full of drama. But Rachel says there are some ethical issues that viewers might not be aware of. The show is like seven hours of, you know, ridiculous antics, insane characters, um, entertainment. It'll definitely uh, make you forget about the pandemic we're currently in. (laughs) But if you're looking for something, though, that is going to educate you and make you not feel kind of like slimy afterwards, then Tiger King might not be the best option. It really misses a great opportunity for raising awareness about the um, big cat crisis in our country right now. Um, You know, there's more tigers privately owned in the U.S. than are left in the wild. Um, But, you know, that's that's an editorial decision. Not everybody has to make a bleeding heart documentary about saving animals. I totally get that. For me, I think the biggest thing the film actually gets wrong is it um, editorially portrays the two sort of main characters as equals. So this guy, Joe Exotic, um, you know, who's currently in federal prison for 17 counts of wildlife crimes and two counts of murder for hire, is basically portrayed as being on the same playing field morally as the woman he tried to have killed, Carol Baskin, which just is not true. You know, Joe Exotic was one of the biggest breeders and sellers of big cats, both legally and illegally in the country for years. Carol Baskin, on the other hand, is a bona fide sanctuary owner. She doesn't breed or sell cats, and she's made it her entire mission in life to stop the breeding and the um, ownership of private big cats in this country. I'm going to read a piece from a story in The Atlantic on this point, which calls the show's treatment of Baskin an egregious display of false equivalence. Here's the quote. Baskin, Tiger King, painstakingly lays out, is obsessed with animal print. The horror. Sometimes she wears flower crowns. She has an uncanny gift for search engine optimization. She rides a bicycle. Her sanctuary relies heavily on unpaid volunteers. The show underscores all of these facts while making the most of the mysterious disappearance of Carol's husband in 1997 and interviewing family members who seem convinced that she killed him. There is absolutely no physical evidence at this time implicating any one individual as a suspect, a police detective firmly and rather crushingly points out. Tiger King doesn't care. It would much rather simply imply several times that she could have fed her husband's corpse to tigers had she been so inclined. Yeah, exactly. So this was an incident in 1997. Carol Baskin's ex-husband, Don Lewis, disappeared. And, of course, there was, like, all kinds of investigations. Um, Carol hired a private investigator herself, and nothing ever turned up. There's zero evidence of, um, you know, 
foul play. But of course, people who don't like Carol immediately pointed and said like, oh yeah, she must have like killed him and fed him to the tigers. And this is a narrative that has been repeated for literally like over a decade by Joe Exotic as a way to, you know, slander Carol and, you know, get people to chase down this rabbit hole of Don Lewis's disappearance. We don't know if Carol had anything to do with his, his disappearance at all. There's zero evidence. Like maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But I also found it really irresponsible to spend, you know, an entire episode just basically airing out um, people's grievances and allegations against her and also painting a really one-sided picture of the story. So Carol, in an interview with me last week, told me that, in fact, she'd never been consulted about this. She never had a chance to respond to these allegations um, because she didn't know they were doing an entire episode about them. There's one, um, there's a scene where Carol, like, it sounds like she's dismissing Don Lewis's family members' concern. She says something like, oh, well, these people are driven by ego and greed or livelihoods or something she was in fact asked about what would you say to Joe Exotic and people like him not what would you say to Don Lewis's family but the way it's edited it seems like she's just dismissing this missing guy's family. Rachel Neuer has also co-created her own series about Joe Exotic but her story let's just say if you read what she's written and listen to her podcast it will make you see Tiger King in a very different light. It's a four-episode podcast series put out by Long Reads called Cat People, and it talks about the phenomenon of rampant big cat ownership by private individuals in the United States. If you listen to Rachel's series, you'll learn a lot of fascinating stuff about the peculiar American stew of policy and circumstance that have made it very easy for private citizens to own 500-pound wild animals in the United States, like something called the generic tiger loophole, the zoo babies craze, and about an event that Rachel describes as animal-driven terrorism, in which a man released dozens of his pet carnivores outside a city of 25,000 people. I do really recommend the whole series. But we're going to play for you the third episode, because it seems to me like the one that most serves as a necessary corrective to the Joe Exotic narrative. You'll hear Rachel narrating the story, being interviewed by her co-host, Peter Frick Wright. So can you tell me what we're doing? We are trying to navigate this traffic um, on our way to Big Cat Rescue, and I can see the yellow sign So if a big cat owner, like remember Deb Pierce from the last episode, finds themselves completely overwhelmed with their big cats, as many of them do, they can, okay, sell them to a stranger if they can find someone gullible enough to take that bait. Or their best option is to donate these cats to a sanctuary. And who are we going to talk to? We are going there to see Carol Baskin, who is the founder of this organization. And the issue they run into there is while there are these quote-unquote sanctuaries around the U.S., a lot of them are just sanctuary in name, and they're actually just fronts for for breeding animals, for this whole cub petting thing. There's only a few bona fide true sanctuaries that are actually accredited and do legitimate you know, sanctuary work. Oh, there's a little cat. Hi there. Oh, great. Oh, my my goodness. We're going to see your relatives. Probably the most well-known of those places is Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida. I wanted to come here because if it is going to be possible to solve our country's big cat problem, the solution is probably going to come from here. Hi, and welcome to Big Cat TV. 
Big Cat Rescue is one of the largest accredited sanctuaries dedicated entirely to big cats. How big is this park? I don't know. I'm very curious to find out. Um, yeah. Situated on 67 acres in Tampa, Florida, we provide a permanent home for a variety of species of rescued exotic cats. It's um, it's right off the interstate, you know, probably like a 20-minute drive from downtown Tampa and the water. Let's do it. You walk in and there's this, like, gift shop covered in every possible, like, cat-themed thing you can imagine. The pink leopard print golf cart. And oh, I wasn't a normal tourist, so I didn't have to wait for a tour, but if, like, anyone else wanted to visit, you would join a group tour. It's all—it's only like set times per day. And you walk around this, this sanctuary, it's all outdoors, and it's just cage after cage of various types of big and exotic cats that people have not wanted and have just basically dumped at this place, Big Cat Rescue. Wow, $39 for your tour fee, it's pretty steep. So you say sanctuary, I think, green space and you know wild sort of like a zoo kind of thing it's definitely not a zoo you can't just like buy a ticket and get some popcorn and like walk around what you are going to do is you're going to learn about why big cats do not make good pets and you're going to learn about why uh, the u.s should really think about tightening its rules about big cat ownership we also provide educational videos like biggest cat that purrs and meows, videos on how we do things at the sanctuary, and most importantly, what needs to be done to end the abuse and suffering of big cats, and what you can do to help. And who's who's doing the teaching? Um, so the teaching's done by a guide, but the teaching really originates from the ideas of Carol Baskin and her husband Howard. I'm Rachel, I have an appointment with Carol. All right. Okay. Yes. Thank you. Just tell her to go away. <laughs> Rachel and Howard. Oh, Howard, it's wonderful <laughs> to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hi. 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 Hi.
And so we're driving around the property and it's quite wooded, you know, think like oak trees, again, palmettos everywhere, Spanish moss, like leaves all over the ground. So how many residents do you have at the moment? We have right around 60. Of how many species? That's a good question. Um, there's lions, tigers, leopards, cougars, servals, bobcats, caracals, hybrid cats, an ocelot, and a jaguar, and a Siberian lynx. It's kind of like these wired cages, and inside are just various cats. They each have their own enclosure, usually, you know, napping on like kind of like rock structures or under a tree. And during the regular tours, the tour guide has an iPad, mm -hmm. and each guest gets a receiver. Mm -hmm. And so the tour guide can interact with them and talk, but as they come to the cats, the tour guide can press the button, play the cat's story, oh, cool. and that way it keeps the stories consistent. One of the stories that really stood out to me was this serval. So this was someone's pet? Yeah, actually a lady in New York had six of these in her basement in what looked to be like a little dungeon. And I hadn't really seen a serval before. They're kind of like, imagine like a leopard that's been shrunk to the cocker spaniel side and then stretched out. So it has like really long, yeah, thin, tall legs, but then the kind of leopardy spots. And, you know, they look small enough that you can manage them, but they're not. And each couple of years she would buy a new kitten because they're only fun to play with for the first few months or to the first couple of years and then they become who they are and they bite and they scratch and people don't want them at that point but she just kept stockpiling them and then she ended up in a situation where her sister abandoned her children to this woman she found out she had cancer her house went into foreclosure and you know tragedy hit this particular individual but it was sort of lucky for the servals. The serval I saw looked like it was very much enjoying its life. How old is he? I'm thinking they have their signs on the cages, but I'm thinking he's like 19 or 20. Oh, wow. So Big Cat Rescue is kind of this retirement slash foster home for unwanted big cats. But as long as there's big cat trade and ownership in this country, there's always going to be more animals to rescue. And you're never going to be able to rescue all of those animals. And Carol and Howard are definitely big picture kind of people. So after the tour, we sat down and I just said, you know, tell me everything. Start from the beginning. Tell me about this facility and also just what you're trying to do here. I just recently was asked to find a photograph of myself with an animal, you know, an early photograph. And so my mother gave me some old family albums and I was pulling out the pictures and looking on the back to see if there was any further information. And there was a picture of me the day they brought me home from the hospital. My mother's holding me, my dad's holding a kitten, a little orange and white striped kitten. And on the back, it says the cat's name is Tiger. And it was like, well, <laughs> I guess it's been destined from the very beginning because I had no idea that my first cat's name was Tiger. So Carol Baskin's a really interesting and complex character. She, like many big cat people who now advocate for an end to big cat ownership, she used to be a part of the quote unquote problem. I never had any intention of rescuing big cats. I didn't know there was a problem. And it wasn't until I ended up at a auction where a taxidermist was gonna kill a bobcat that I even discovered this was an issue. She was in this real estate business with her ex-husband and they would use llamas 
to kind of keep the yards of their properties in check. You know, Florida, things just like grow willy-nilly. So we were at an exotic animal auction buying these llamas when the guy next to me starts bidding on this bobcat. And I had done bobcat rehab and release since I was 17 years old. So I leaned over to him and I said, when that cat grows up, she is going to tear your face off. And he said, I'm a taxidermist. I'm just going to clip her in the head in the parking lot. And so there was no way that cat was going to get killed that day while I was there. (laughs) And so she came home with us. And Carol, like, freaked out. She said she started crying. Her ex-husband bit on the bobcat. So that was their first exotic cat, this bobcat. And she was a holy hellion (laughs) around the house and was terrorizing my husband and my daughter and our German shepherd. And so we started calling around, trying to find somebody that would have somebody she could play with that she wouldn't tear to pieces. And my husband found a guy in Minnesota who said, I'll sell you a kitten, but you have to come in person. They drove up there and it turned out that he wasn't a bobcat breeder for pets. He was a bobcat breeder for fur. And Carol again just like freaked out and they wound up coming home with 50 plus baby bobcats and lynxes. 50 plus? Yeah. Sorry, I'm like rushing over these stats because it's so like ingrained in my head. But yeah, imagine that, like 50 wow. kittens. <laughs> like even normal kittens, that would be way too many kittens. Yeah. <laughs> but they were just like, yeah, this will work. This is a good idea. So the next year we got the adults out of there. We had to come home and build cages and that sort of thing. And that was the beginning of the sanctuary. Hello, this is Outside In, a show about the natural world and how we use it. I am Sam Evans-Brown, and today on the show, we're going to engage in something that we rarely get the chance to, pop culture commentary. So should we just start with the Netflix series Tiger King, and (laughs) should people watch it or not? (laughs) Well, I guess uh, that's a personal decision that everybody should make for themselves. This is Rachel Neuer. I'm a freelance journalist and author of the book Poached Inside the Dark World of Wildlife Trafficking. If you have not heard, Tiger King is a Netflix series, a reality TV show about one of the nation's most infamous tiger breeders, a man who is now in prison in part for conspiring to kill a woman named Carol Baskin. 
who runs a sanctuary for tigers that people bought as pets when they were cute, tiny cubs and gave them away when they realized they had purchased a tiger. It kind of seems like everybody stuck at home right now has watched this show. And yes, it is full of drama. But Rachel says there are some ethical issues that viewers might not be aware of. The show is like seven hours of you know, ridiculous antics, insane characters, um, entertainment. It'll definitely uh, make you forget about the pandemic we're currently in. <laughs> but if you're looking for something, though, that is going to um, educate you and make you not feel kind of like slimy afterwards, then Tiger King might not be the best option. It really misses a great opportunity for raising awareness about the um, big cat crisis in our country right now. Um, you know, there's more tigers privately owned in the U.S. than are left in the wild. Um, but, you know, that's, that's an editorial decision. Not everybody has to make a bleeding heart documentary about saving animals. I totally get that. For me, I think the biggest thing the film actually gets wrong is it um, editorially portrays the two sort of main characters as equals. So this guy, Joe Exotic, um, you know, who's currently in federal prison for 17 counts of wildlife crimes and two counts of murder for hire, is basically portrayed as being on the same playing field morally as the woman he tried to have killed, Carol Baskin, which just is not true, you know. Joe Exotic was one of the biggest breeders and sellers of big cats, both legally and illegally, in the country for years. Carol Baskin, on the other hand, is a bona fide sanctuary owner. She doesn't breed or sell cats, and she's made it her entire mission in life to stop the breeding and the um, ownership of private big cats in this country. I'm going to read a piece from a story in The Atlantic on this point, which calls the show's treatment of Baskin an egregious display of false equivalence. Here's the quote. Baskin, Tiger King, painstakingly lays out, is obsessed with animal print. The horror. Sometimes she wears flower crowns. She has an uncanny gift for search engine optimization. She rides a bicycle. Her sanctuary relies heavily on unpaid volunteers. The show underscores all of these facts while making the most of the mysterious disappearance of Carol's husband in 1997 and interviewing family members who seem convinced that she killed him. There is absolutely no physical evidence at this time implicating any one individual as a suspect, a police detective firmly and rather crushingly points out. Tiger King doesn't care. It would much rather simply imply several times that she could have fed her husband's corpse to tigers had she been so inclined. Yeah, exactly. So this was an incident in 1997. Carol Baskin's ex-husband, um, Don Lewis, disappeared. And, of course, there was, like, all kinds of investigations. Um, Carol hired a private investigator herself, and nothing ever turned up. There's zero evidence of, um, you know, foul play. But of course, people who don't like Carol immediately pointed and said like, oh yeah, she must have like killed him and fed him to the tigers. And this is a narrative that has been repeated for literally like over a decade by Joe Exotic as a way to, you know, slander Carol and, you know, get people to chase down this rabbit hole of Don Lewis's disappearance. We don't know if Carol had anything to do with his, his disappearance at all. There's zero evidence. Like maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But I also found it really irresponsible to spend, you know, an entire episode just basically airing out um, people's grievances and allegations against her and also painting a really one-sided picture of the story. So Carol, in an interview with me last week, told me that, in fact, she'd never been consulted about this. She never had a chance to respond to these allegations um, because she didn't know they were doing an entire episode about them. 
there's one, um, there's a scene where Carol, like, it sounds like she's dismissing Don Lewis's family members' concern. She says something like, oh, well, these people are driven by ego and greed or livelihoods or something. She was, in fact, asked about, what would you say to Joe Exotic and people like him? Not what would you say to Don Lewis's family. But the way it's edited, it seems like she's just dismissing this missing guy's family. Rachel Neuer has also co-created her own series about Joe Exotic. But her story, let's just say, if you read what she's written and listen to her podcast, it will make you see Tiger King in a very different light. It's a four-episode podcast series put out by Long Reads called Cat People, and it talks about the phenomenon of rampant big cat ownership by private individuals in the United States. If you listen to Rachel's series, you'll learn a lot of fascinating stuff about the peculiar American stew of policy and circumstance that have made it very easy for private citizens to own 500-pound wild animals in the United States, like something called the generic tiger loophole, the zoo babies craze, and about an event that Rachel describes as animal-driven terrorism, in which a man released dozens of his pet carnivores outside a city of 25,000 people. I do really recommend the whole series. But we're going to play for you the third episode, because it seems to me like the one that most serves as a necessary corrective to the Joe Exotic narrative. You'll hear Rachel narrating the story, being interviewed by her co-host, Peter Frick Wright. So can you tell me what we're doing? We are trying to navigate this traffic um, on our way to Big Cat Rescue, and I can see the yellow sign So if a big cat owner, like remember Deb Pierce from the last episode, finds themselves completely overwhelmed with their big cats, as many of them do, they can, okay, sell them to a stranger if they can find someone gullible enough to take that bait. Or their best option is to donate these cats to a sanctuary. And who are we going to talk to? We are going there to see Carol Baskin, who is the founder of this organization. And the issue they run into there is while there are these quote-unquote sanctuaries around the U.S., a lot of them are just sanctuary in name, and they're actually just fronts for for breeding animals, for this whole cub petting thing. There's only a few bona fide true sanctuaries that are actually accredited and do legitimate you know, sanctuary work. Oh, there's a little cat. Hi there. Oh, great. Oh, my goodness. We're going to see your relatives. Probably the most well-known of those places is Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida. I wanted to come here because if it is going to be possible to solve our country's big cat problem, the solution is probably going to come from here. Hi, and welcome to Big Cat TV. Big Cat Rescue is one of the largest accredited sanctuaries dedicated entirely to big cats. How big is this park? I don't know. I'm very curious to find out. Um, Situated on 67 acres in Tampa, Florida, we provide a permanent home for a variety of species of rescued exotic cats. It's it's right off the interstate, you know, probably like a 20-minute drive from downtown Tampa and the water. Let's do it. You walk in and there's this like gift shop covered in every possible like cat-themed thing you can imagine. The pink leopard print golf cart. And I wasn't a normal tourist, so I didn't have to wait for a tour. But if like anyone else wanted to visit, you would join a group tour. It's It's only like set times per day. 
and you walk around this this sanctuary it's all outdoors and it's just cage after cage of various types of big and exotic cats that people have not wanted and have just basically dumped at this place big cat rescue wow 39 dollars for your tour fee it's pretty steep so you say sanctuary i think green space and you know wild sort of like a zoo kind of thing it's definitely not a zoo you can't just like buy a ticket and get some popcorn and like walk around what you are going to do is you're going to learn about why big cats do not make good pets and you're going to learn about why uh, the u.s should really think about tightening its rules about big cat ownership we also provide educational videos like biggest cat that purrs and meows videos on how we do things at the sanctuary and most importantly what needs to be done to end the abuse and suffering of big cats and what you can do to help. And who's who's doing the teaching? Um, so the teaching's done by a guide, but the teaching really originates from the ideas of Carol Baskin and her husband, Howard. I'm Rachel. I have an appointment with Carol. All right. Yes. Thank you. Just tell her to go away. <laughs> Oh, Howard, it's wonderful to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hi. Anna. Anna? Hi. Hi, Rachel. It's so nice to finally meet you. Anna or Hannah? Anna. Anna. Yes. With no hands to shake. With no hands. I'm very sorry. Carol. She is interesting. Um, I'm Carol Baskin, C-A-R-O-L-E. She's tall, and she often dresses like what I picture a Woodstock attendee dressing like like she'll literally wear like garlands of flowers in her hair and you know she's got long blonde hair down to her waist big blue eyes and Howard is like pretty much the opposite of Carol he has this kind of like turtle walk he does I'm Howard Baskin and Carol's husband and I handle mostly our administrative um, tasks I think he had, like, a pen in his shirt pocket when I met him. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he had a calculator hiding somewhere. <laughs> they even say, like, we're, we're opposites, but we work so well together. Um, um, well, take me through your time that you spent with them, your tour of the property and things. Yeah, we. I was so eager to talk to them, so I was just, like, antsy to, uh, like, sit them down and ask all my questions. But they're like, let's start with the tour. So the tours begin in this room? Yes, we take people out, 20 people at a time. Okay. We got into this, like, glorified, like, jumbo golf cart. And so we're driving around the property, and it's quite wooded. You know, think, like, oak trees, again, palmettos everywhere, Spanish moss, like, leaves all over the ground. So how many residents do you have at the moment? We have right around 60. Of how many species? That's a good question. Um, There's lions, tigers, leopards, cougars, servals, bobcats, caracals, hybrid cats, an ocelot, and a jaguar, and a Siberian lynx. It's kind of like these wired cages, and inside are just various cats. They each have their own enclosure, usually, you know, napping on like kind of like rock structures or under a tree. And during the regular tours, the tour guide has an iPad, Mm -hmm. and each guest gets a receiver. Mm -hmm. And so 
the tour guide can interact with them and talk, but as they come to the cats, the tour guide can press the button, play the cat's story, oh, cool. and that way it keeps the stories consistent. One of the stories that really stood out to me was this serval. So this was someone's pet? Yeah, actually a lady in New York had six of these in her basement in what looked to be like a little dungeon. And I hadn't really seen a serval before. They're kind of like, imagine like a leopard that's been shrunk to the cocker spaniel side and then stretched out. So it has like really long, yeah, thin, tall legs, but then the kind of leopardy spots. And, you know, they look small enough that you can manage them, but they're not. And each couple of years, she would buy a new kitten because they're only fun to play with for the first few months or to the first couple of years. And then they become who they are and they bite and they scratch and people don't want them at that point. But she just kept stockpiling them. And then she ended up in a situation where her sister abandoned her children to this woman. She found out she had cancer. Her house went into foreclosure. You know, tragedy hit this particular individual, but it was sort of lucky for the servals. The serval I saw looked like it was very much enjoying its life. Oh, we'll just see. I'm thinking they have their signs on the cages, but I'm thinking he's like 19 or 20. So Big Cat Rescue is kind of this retirement slash foster home for unwanted big cats. But as long as there's big cat trade and ownership in this country, there's always going to be more animals to rescue. And you're never going to be able to rescue all of those animals. And Carol and Howard are definitely big picture kind of people. So after the tour, we sat down and I just said, you know, tell me everything. Start from the beginning. Tell me about this facility and also just what you're trying to do here. I just recently was asked to find a photograph of myself with an animal, you know, an early photograph. And so my mother gave me some old family albums and I was pulling out the pictures and looking on the back to see if there was any further information. And there was a picture of me the day they brought me home from the hospital. My mother's holding me, my dad's holding a kitten, a little orange and white striped kitten. And on the back, it says the cat's name is Tiger. And it was like, well, <laughs> I guess it's been destined from the very beginning because I had no idea that my first cat's name was Tiger. So Carol Baskin's a really interesting and complex character. She, like many big cat people who now advocate for an end to big cat ownership, she used to be a part of the quote-unquote problem. I never had any intention of rescuing big cats. I didn't know there was a problem. And it wasn't until I ended up at a auction where a taxidermist was going to kill a bobcat that I even discovered this was an issue. She was in this real estate business with her ex-husband, and they would use llamas to kind of keep the yards of their properties in check. You know, Florida, things just like grow willy-nilly. So we were at an exotic animal auction buying these llamas when the guy next to me starts bidding on this bobcat. And I had done bobcat rehab and release since I was 17 years old. So I leaned over to him and I said, when that cat grows up, she is going to tear your face off. And he said, I'm a taxidermist. I'm just going to club her in the head in the parking lot. And so there was no way that cat was going to get killed that day while I was there. <laughs> and so she came home with us. And Carol, like, freaked out. She said she started crying. Her ex-husband bit on the bobcat. So they, that was their first exotic cat, this bobcat. And she was a holy hellion <laughs> around the house and was terrorizing my husband and my daughter and our German shepherd. And so we started calling around, trying to find somebody that would have somebody she could play with that she wouldn't tear to pieces. 
And my husband found a guy in Minnesota who said, I'll sell you a kitten, but you have to come in person. They drove up there and it turned out that he wasn't a bobcat breeder for pets. He was a bobcat breeder for fur. And Carol again just like freaked out and they wound up coming home with 50 plus baby bobcats and lynxes. 50 plus? Yeah, sorry, I'm like rushing over these stats because it's so like ingrained in my head. But yeah, imagine that, like 50 kittens. (laughs) Like even normal kittens, that would be way too many kittens. But they were just like, yeah, this will work. This is a good idea. So the next year we got the adults out of there. We had to come home and build cages and that sort of thing. And that was the beginning of the sanctuary. Hello, this is Outside In, a show about the natural world and how we use it. I am Sam Evans-Brown, and today on the show, we're going to engage in something that we rarely get the chance to, pop culture commentary. So should we just start with the Netflix series Tiger King, and (laughs) should people watch it or not? (laughs) Well, I guess uh, that's a personal decision that everybody should make for themselves. This is Rachel Neuer. I'm a freelance journalist and author of the book Poached Inside the Dark World of Wildlife Trafficking. If you have not heard, Tiger King is a Netflix series, a reality TV show about one of the nation's most infamous tiger breeders, a man who is now in prison in part for conspiring to kill a woman named Carol Baskin, who runs a sanctuary for tigers that people bought as pets when they were cute, tiny cubs, and gave them away when they realized they had purchased a tiger. It kind of seems like everybody stuck at home right now has watched this show. And yes, it is full of drama. But Rachel says there are some ethical issues that viewers might not be aware of. The show is like seven hours of, you know, ridiculous antics, insane characters, um, entertainment. It'll definitely uh, make you forget about the pandemic we're currently in. (laughs) But if you're looking for something, though, that is going to educate you and make you not feel kind of like slimy afterwards, then Tiger King might not be the best option. It really misses a great opportunity for raising awareness about the um, big cat crisis in our country right now. Um, You know, there's more tigers privately owned in the U.S. than are left in the wild. Um, but, you know, that's that's an editorial decision. Not everybody has to make a bleeding heart documentary about saving animals. I totally get that. For me, I think the biggest thing the film actually gets wrong is it um, editorially portrays the two sort of main characters as equals. So this guy, Joe Exotic, um, you know, who's currently in federal prison for 17 counts of wildlife crimes and two counts of murder for hire, is basically portrayed as being on the same playing field morally as the woman he tried to have killed, Carol Baskin, which just is not true. You know, Joe Exotic was one of the biggest breeders and sellers of big cats, both legally and illegally in the country for years. Carol Baskin, on the other hand, is a bona fide sanctuary owner. She doesn't breed or sell cats, and she's made it her entire mission in life to stop the breeding and the um, ownership of private big cats in this country. I'm going to read a piece from a story in The Atlantic on this point, which calls the show's treatment of Baskin an egregious display of false equivalence. Here's the quote. Baskin, Tiger King, painstakingly lays out, is obsessed with animal print. The horror. Sometimes she wears flower crowns. She has an uncanny gift for search engine optimization. She rides a bicycle. Her sanctuary relies heavily on unpaid volunteers. 
The show underscores all of these facts while making the most of the mysterious disappearance of Carol's husband in 1997 and interviewing family members who seem convinced that she killed him. There is absolutely no physical evidence at this time implicating any one individual as a suspect, a police detective firmly and rather crushingly points out. Tiger King doesn't care. It would much rather simply imply several times that she could have fed her husband's corpse to tigers had she been so inclined. Yeah, exactly. So this was an incident in 1997. Carol Baskin's ex-husband, Don Lewis, disappeared. And of course, there was like all kinds of investigations. Um, Carol hired a private investigator herself and nothing ever turned up. There's zero evidence of, um, you know, foul play. But of course, people who don't like Carol immediately pointed and said like, oh yeah, she must have like killed him and fed him to the tigers. And this is a narrative that has been repeated for literally like over a decade by Joe Exotic as a way to, you know, slander Carol and, you know, get people to chase down this rabbit hole of Don Lewis's disappearance. We don't know if Carol had anything to do with his his disappearance at all. There's zero evidence. Like maybe she did, maybe she didn't. But I also found it really irresponsible to spend, you know, an entire episode just basically airing out um, people's grievances and allegations against her and also painting a really one-sided picture of the story. So Carol, in an interview with me last week, told me that, in fact, she'd never been consulted about this. She never had a chance to respond to these allegations um, because she didn't know they were doing an entire episode about them. There's one, um, there's a scene where Carol, like, it sounds like she's dismissing Don Lewis's family members' concern. She says something like, oh, well, these people are driven by ego and greed or livelihoods or something. She was, in fact, asked about, what would you say to Joe Exotic and people like him? Not what would you say to Don Lewis's family. But the way it's edited, it seems like she's just dismissing this missing guy's family. Rachel Neuer has also co-created her own series about Joe Exotic. But her story... Let's just say, if you read what she's written and listen to her podcast, it will make you see Tiger King in a very different light. It's a four-episode podcast series put out by Long Reads called Cat People, and it talks about the phenomenon of rampant big cat ownership by private individuals in the United States. If you listen to Rachel's series, you'll learn a lot of fascinating stuff about the peculiar American stew of policy and circumstance that have made it very easy for private citizens to own 500-pound wild animals in the United States, like something called the generic tiger loophole, the zoo babies craze, and about an event that Rachel describes as animal-driven terrorism, in which a man released dozens of his pet carnivores outside a city of 25,000 people. I do really recommend the whole series. But we're going to play for you the third episode, because it seems to me like the one that most serves as a necessary corrective to the Joe Exotic narrative. You'll hear Rachel narrating the story, being interviewed by her co-host, Peter Frick Wright. So can you tell me what we're doing? We are trying to navigate this traffic um, on our way to Big Cat Rescue, and I can see the yellow sign So if a big cat owner, like remember Deb Pierce from the last episode, finds themselves completely overwhelmed with their big cats, as many of them do, they can, okay, sell them to a stranger if they can find someone gullible enough to take that bait. Or their best option is to donate these cats to a sanctuary. And who are we going to talk to? We are going there to see Carol Baskin, who is 
the founder of this organization. And the issue they run into there is while there are these quote unquote sanctuaries around the U.S., a lot of them are just sanctuary in name and they're actually just fronts for for breeding animals, for this whole cub petting thing. There's only a few bona fide true sanctuaries that are actually accredited and do legitimate, you know, sanctuary work. Oh, there's a little cat. Hi there. We're gonna oh see God, it looks your... like my cat Lloyd. Oh, little gray. Oh my, oh my goodness, we're going to see your relatives. Probably the most well-known of those places is Big Cat Rescue in Tampa, Florida. I wanted to come here because if it is going to be possible to solve our country's big cat problem, the solution is probably going to come from here. Hi, and welcome to Big Cat TV. Big Cat Rescue is one of the largest accredited sanctuaries dedicated entirely to big cats. How big is this park? I don't know. I'm very curious to find out. Um, Situated on 67 acres in Tampa, Florida, we provide a permanent home for a variety of species of rescued exotic cats. It's um, it's right off the interstate, you know, probably like a 20-minute drive from downtown Tampa and the water. Let's do it. You walk in and there's this, like, gift shop covered in every possible, like, cat-themed thing you can imagine. The pink leopard print golf cart. And oh, man. I wasn't a normal tourist, so I didn't have to wait for a tour, but if, like, anyone else wanted to visit, you would join a group tour. It's all—it's only like set times per day. And you walk around this, this sanctuary, it's all outdoors, and it's just cage after cage of various types of big and exotic cats that people have not wanted and have just basically dumped at this place, Big Cat Rescue. Wow, $39 for your tour fee, it's pretty steep. So you say sanctuary, I think, green space and, you know, wild sort of like a zoo kind of thing. It's definitely not a zoo. You can't just like buy a ticket and get some popcorn and like walk around. What you are going to do is you're going to learn about why big cats do not make good pets. And you're going to learn about why uh, the U.S. should really think about tightening its rules about big cat ownership. We also provide educational videos like biggest cat that purrs and meows, videos on how we do things at the sanctuary, and most importantly, what needs to be done to end the abuse and suffering of big cats, and what you can do to help. And who's who's doing the teaching? Um, so the teaching's done by a guide, but the teaching really originates from the ideas of Carol Baskin and her husband Howard. I'm Rachel, I have an appointment with Carol. All right. Yes. Thank you. Just tell her to go away. <laughs> John Howard. Oh, Howard. Howard. It's wonderful <laughs> to meet you. Nice to meet you. Hi. Anna. Anna? Hi. Hi, Rachel. It's so nice to finally meet you. Good Anna meet or you. Hannah? Anna. Anna. Yes. Okay. With no hands to shake. With no hands. Yes. I'm very sorry. <laughs> Carol. <laughs> she is interesting. Um, I'm Carol Baskin, C-A-R-O-L-E. She's tall and she often dresses like what I picture a Woodstock attendee dressing like. Like she'll literally wear like garlands of flowers in her hair. And, you know, she's got long blonde hair down to her waist, big blue eyes. And Howard is like pretty much the opposite of Carol. He has this kind of like turtle walk he does. 
I'm Howard Baskin, and Carol's husband, and I handle mostly our administrative um, tasks. I think he had like a pen in his shirt pocket when I met him. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he had a calculator hiding somewhere. <laughs> they even say like we're we're opposites, but we work so well together. Um, um, well, take me through your time that you spent with them, your tour of the property and things. Yeah, we. I was so eager to talk to them, so I was just like antsy to uh, like sit them down and ask all my questions. But they're like, let's start with the tour. So the tours begin in this room. Yes, we take people out, 20 people at a time. Okay. We got into this, like, glorified, like, jumbo golf cart. And so we're driving around the property, and it's quite wooded. You know, think, like, oak trees, again, palmettos everywhere, Spanish moss, like, leaves all over the ground. So how many residents do you have at the moment? We have right around 60. Of how many species? That's a good question. Um, there's lions, tigers, leopards, cougars, servals, bobcats, caracals, hybrid cats, an ocelot, and a jaguar, and a Siberian lynx. It's kind of like these wired cages, and inside are just various cats. They each have their own enclosure, usually, you know, napping on like kind of like rock structures or under a tree. And during the regular tours, the tour guide has an iPad, mm -hmm. and each guest gets a receiver. Mm -hmm. And so the tour guide can interact with them and talk, but as they come to the cats, the tour guide can press the button, play the cat's story, oh, cool. and that way it keeps the stories consistent. One of the stories that really stood out to me was this serval. So this was someone's pet? Yeah, actually a lady in New York had six of these in her basement in what looked to be like a little dungeon. And I hadn't really seen a serval before. They're kind of like, imagine like a leopard that's been shrunk to the cocker spaniel side and then stretched out. So it has like really long, yeah, thin, tall legs, but then the kind of leopardy spots. And, you know, they look small enough that you can manage them, but they're not. And each couple of years she would buy a new kitten because they're only fun to play with for the first few months or to the first couple of years and then they become who they are and they bite and they scratch and people don't want them at that point but she just kept stockpiling them and then she ended up in a situation where her sister abandoned her children to this woman she found out she had cancer her house went into foreclosure and you know tragedy hit this particular individual but it was sort of lucky for the servals. The serval I saw looked like it was very much enjoying its life. How old is he? I'm thinking they have their signs on the cages, but I'm thinking he's like 19 or 20. Oh, wow. So Big Cat Rescue is kind of this retirement slash foster home for unwanted big cats. But as long as there's big cat trade and ownership in this country, there's always going to be more animals to rescue. And you're never going to be able to rescue all of those animals. And Carol and Howard are definitely big picture kind of people. So after the tour, we sat down and I just said, you know, tell me everything. Start from the beginning. Tell me about this facility and also just what you're trying to do here. I just recently was asked to find a photograph of myself with an animal, you know, an early photograph. And so my mother gave me some old family albums and I was pulling out the pictures and looking on the back to see if there was any further information. And there was a picture of me the day they brought me home from the hospital. My mother's holding me, my dad's holding a kitten, a little orange and white striped kitten. And on the back, 
it says the cat's name is Tiger. And it was like, well, <laughs> I guess it's been destined from the very beginning because I had no idea that my first cat's name was Tiger. So Carol Baskin's a really interesting and complex character. She, like many big cat people who now advocate for an end to big cat ownership, she used to be a part of the quote-unquote problem. I never had any intention of rescuing big cats. I didn't know there was a problem, and it wasn't until I ended up at a auction where a taxidermist was going to kill a bobcat that I even discovered this was an issue. She was in this real estate business with her ex-husband, and they would use llamas to kind of keep the yards of their properties in check. You know, Florida, things just, like, grow willy-nilly. So we were at an exotic animal auction buying these llamas when the guy next to me starts bidding on this bobcat. And I had done bobcat rehab and release since I was 17 years old. So I leaned over to him and I said, when that cat grows up, she is going to tear your face off. And he said, I'm a taxidermist. I'm just going to clip her in the head in the parking lot. And so there was no way that cat was going to get killed that day while I was there. <laughs> and so she came home with us. And Carol, like, freaked out. She said she started crying. Her ex-husband bit on the bobcat. So they, that was their first exotic cat, this bobcat. And she was a holy hellion <laughs> around the house and was terrorizing my husband and my daughter and our German shepherd. And so we started calling around, trying to find somebody that would have somebody she could play with that she wouldn't tear to pieces. And my husband found a guy in Minnesota who said, I'll sell you a kitten, but you have to come in person. They drove up there and... Uh, it turned out that he wasn't a bobcat breeder for pets. He was a bobcat breeder for fur. And Carol again just like freaked out and they wound up coming home with 50 plus baby bobcats and lynxes. 50 plus? Yeah, I sorry, I'm like rushing over these stats cuz it's so like ingrained in my head, but yeah, imagine that like 50 wow. kittens. <laughs> like even normal kittens, that would be way too many kittens, yeah. but they were just like, yeah. This will work. This is a good idea. So the next year we got the adults out of there. We had to come home and build cages and that sort of thing. And that was the beginning of the sanctuary. 